Hey there, Dragonfly Nation. I wanted to announce a very big event happening in the summer of 2022. I want to give you this information now in the wintertime so that you have time to prepare for this because this is a big deal. The 2022 Global Bushcraft Symposium has been announced. It is going to be happening from July 27th to the 31st of July in the year 2022. It is being co-chaired by Lisa Fenton and Paul Kirtley, names that you should be well aware of, folks, especially if you're all into the bushcraft world. Speakers are including Dr. Teresa Camper, Bruce Zawalski, Gordon Dedman, ba- Patrick McGlinchey, and Rupert Brown. These are these and many others are why I'm excited. These are some of the greatest brains of today when it comes down to woodcraft, survival, indigenous ancestral skills, anything you can think of in the realm of bushcraft, it is happening at this event. And it's happening in Wales, United Kingdom in July 27th to the 31st in the year 2022. So pack your stuff up now, get it all ready, get your passport in order, get all the stuff you need in order, because this is going to be a very big event, very, very big event that I am excited to be going to with Rye the Adventure Guy. We may even record a few podcasts with some folks while we're there. Hope to see you there this coming summer from July 27th to July, uh, July 31st. If you want to learn more, go to www.globalbushcraftsymposium2022.com. Again, www dot global bushcraft symposium 2022.com holy geez hi everybody it's been a while huh it's been a while it's been since i think like almost a month it's been almost a month since we did a podcast episode and before that it had been like a month we're putting like one episode a month at this point it's i got to apologize to every one of you all my dear listeners you amazing beautiful people it's a hundred percent my fault uh, it's a hundred percent my, my problem. Uh, we've just been going hard. We're getting a lot of things done here. Um, we're getting for, as many of you know, from one of our earlier update episodes, I think our last update episode was back in August. I could be wrong with that. Let me check real quick. I'm just looking at our schedule here. Uh, yeah, I think our last update ducks and such was in August. Yeah, it was early August. And so we're doing another update episode just let you know where we're at and what we're doing here why you haven't heard from us in like two and a half months except for like the occasional episode uh it's mainly because my life uh has turned upside down in many many ways beautiful it's all good don't worry nothing bad has happened everyone's still where they're supposed to be there hasn't been anything horribly drastic or terrible it's just it's been chaotic for about two and a half months three months really since june when I think about it <laughs> and now we're at December. Um, so like half a year, but anyways, um, we are, we've been in, I've been in the middle of a massive move for the homestead as we've talked about in the past. And you've probably guessed on our social media and everything else. We're really deep into moving a, the household pretty much to a 95% off grid. If not 100%, it's, it's, I would, I would argue 95% because we will have, um, access to propane. Uh, we're going to have propane, which for heat, which is still argued as off grid, but I also argue is not sustainable. Luckily the new home also will have a wood stove installed. So we're going to have that so that we're going to hopefully be heating most of the household with wood heat instead of propane. So I've been in the midst of getting all that done. We've had to get 
concrete poured in extreme cold conditions. We've had an extreme wet conditions. We've had to move a large portion of what will be the house when it's all finished being constructed in the new year. Um, we've had to move that and there's been a lot of headaches there. Thank you to our trucking company that helped me haul that giant monstrosity of a dwelling. Uh, huge shout out to those folks at uh, Joe Eagles Trucking. Uh, huge shout out to them for all they did. And to Mansfield Outdoor Center who helped us quite a bit. I actually got to go back there in a few days to a week from now uh, to go and actually show a little bit more appreciation and drop off some gifts to a lot of people there for all their help with getting the home moved, part of the home moved. And we've got a lot of other stuff still going on. We are, by the summer of 2022, we will be going 95% off grid. Um, before then is the goal, but it may be until the summer before we can really be fully off grid. And it'll be great. It'll be great then. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited for that until it's done. I will be a mess. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a ball of stress for the last five months, four or five months, six months. Let's just call it six months. I know that it started about six months ago, all the chaos, but I wasn't stressed then I got stressed later, but we're just going to call it six months of stress. It's been fun. Um, the, the, the lot has been cleared. We've, the concrete just got poured two days ago, uh, uh, at the time of this recording. Um, yeah, so we have a pad, we have, a, we have an actual footing down now or a pad down to move everything onto. We're going to be putting in a porch with storage and the porch will then become actually part of the house itself. It's, it's currently the bottom of a porch that we recycled off of another building. Uh, and we're going to be converting it into an extension of the home to make a little bit more room in the household because there's a lot of people and animals that live in that house, in this home and, uh, a lot of things happening. So we're getting ready as well. When that starts to happen, when we go off grid, there won't be actually room for the podcast in the home. So we actually have to start getting ready to build very early on in this, in the new year, when it's pretty much safe to start digging into the ground and everything. Um, we have to start building a podcast studio. We're going to be building a studio for the podcast, for live streams, as well as for potential videos in the future. <clears throat> so that'll be happening in the, hopefully early in the new year, about let's say March. Um, no guarantee, depending on what the season's like, what, what the weather has been like, what the conditions have been like, the climate that is changing, that people like to deny is changing but it's changing. So you better start learning how to fix this stuff or learn to swim folks. Um, yeah, we're, we're getting ready to do a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. And I've been doing a lot of stuff, which is why I've been ranting for five and a half minutes, apologizing, trying to explain myself, give you all the excuses because that's really what they are. I, I haven't been doing the podcast because I'm exhausted by the time daylight, uh, wanes and it becomes evening and I can sit down and eat some food and then I just want to sleep. I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to take my dog for a walk. I don't want to do anything when I'm done by the end of the day. I'm so tired, but yeah, we're here. It's been an interesting couple of months. It's been very interesting. The, the, the first thing I want to say is, you know, the last update we really had was before 
hunting season. It was, it was early August. We were just kicking the high gear on some birch bark canoe repairs when we did that last update. And then we did a few more episodes after that, including the, why do we do this episode, which was a really good hit. A lot of people liked that one. Appreciate that. Everybody liked that one. <clears throat> and of course we had Christina on our last episode talking about coming into hunting as a novice, which was really cool. Really, really cool. We had a lot of good feedback from that. A lot of people loved that episode. So I'm glad to hear that. And again, huge shout out to Christina Yu for joining in and being willing to open herself up and talk about what got her into this and why is she here and all that. It's great. It's op- It was honestly great. I was really excited about that. But we haven't really had much time to talk about what's been going on. Um, yeah, I've had like a week in total over the last three months of hunting, which is unheard of for me. I'm usually hunting at least three to five days a week, minimum three days, if not five days a week, if not seven days a week, if not 10 days a week, you know what I mean? I've had like maybe in total seven days of hunting. I've, I went out for a couple of days of goose hunting, a couple of days of deer hunting, a couple of days of duck hunting. And that's it. That That's, that's it. I've had barely any time to do anything else. And so I got out for no ricing, which broke my heart. This is the first year in years that I didn't go out and knock rice into a canoe with my, with my rice knocking sticks. And that broke my heart. It hurt me a lot. And it was a bad year for acorns. So I didn't even get a chance to go out and harvest good acorns because we had the LDD moths, what some people refer to as erroneously as gypsy moth. Please don't use that term. It's LDD moth. Uh, L D D moth. It's simple, really simple, but we had an influx of them, a huge, huge, just swarms of those moth caterpillars all over the place. And they denuded our, they literally defoliated the, the oak trees in Ontario, in central Ontario, at least really badly. Um, the good news is that should cause a, Luckily, that's supposed to coincide with next year's bumper crop of acorns that we're supposed to get, which means we may actually get like stupid amounts of acorn next year, like stupid amounts, like um, to the point that I'll run out of room for acorn, which is good because I love acorn. I love acorn bread. I love acorn muffins. I love acorn everything. If you can make something out of acorn, I love it. I, I love that food if it's made with acorns. I love it. Cookies muffins, tarts, whatever you can think of. I love them, <coughs> but it's been, uh, challenging that way food wise. So we've been luckily with the garden, we had enough, uh, crops of tomatoes, peppers, a lot of hot peppers this year. Oh boy. We had Thai dragons. We had habaneros. Ryan was growing a whole bunch of different stuff like sriracha peppers, which are a type of cayenne. Oh man. Just so many good peppers. And then of course, beans and corn and squash and all these things. And then all the wild apples that were out this year, even though they had a hard time as well with the LDD moths, it's been a good year for fruit. It's been a good, it was a long, humid summer with a lot of water. And so the fruit trees were doing pretty good. We even found some wild plums. So we were good that way. And of course with the ducks, we were getting all of our protein from eggs that the, the ducks have kind of dialed back for the winter. Uh, I'm considering coming mid January into late January, putting in a couple of, uh, lights to help them because ducks require a lot more light. That's one of the reasons people, 
often focus on migration because it's cold. That's not why ducks migrate. Ducks migrate for two major reasons, food and bugs. Those are the two major reasons. If there is food plentiful, ducks and geese will not migrate. Canada geese, mallard ducks, they won't leave if they've got food. But as the food dies back in the winter, the ducks fly south. And come spring, they fly north because they're being driven by the insects. They're being driven by the biting mosquitoes and noceums and midges and sand flies and everything. And as they go far, further and further north to try and escape that, they then settle down, lay their eggs, and then they molt. That's how wild ducks and geese do. That's what they do. That's what the, what that's how it happens. But what spurs a lot of that on is light, sunlight. <clears throat> and so ducks actually don't do well. Mall uh, the, the, the Muscovy ducks especially, but also your, your Indian runners, your khaki Campbells, all your domestic duck breeds. They don't do very well with like five to six hours of light a day. They need a lot more light than that. As, as much as we're not trying to say they're, you know, like photosynthesizing like a plant, but they require more sunlight than say a chicken. Chickens don't require that much light. They're, they're over thousands of years of domestication originally from jungle fowl in the, in the uh, Asian Southeast, in Southeast Asia, they have developed into Icelandic chickens and Rhode, Rhode Island reds and all that stuff that can handle longer winters. Ducks never really were bred for that. They were bred for egg production and meat production. And that's all anybody ever cared about. So ducks need a little bit more light. And so we've been trying not to do it because it can also, you know, it's, it's a, it's a synthetic thing and we're trying to cut back on synthetic things. We're trying to keep everything as organic without calling it certified organic on our homestead. Excuse me. And so we haven't put a light in their coop. <clears throat> there's arguments for it and there's arguments against it. And, uh, the main argument for it is it'll increase egg production if ducks have between 14 and 16 hours of light. Whether it's uh, synthetic light or solar light, it doesn't matter as long as they have light for 14 to 16 hours. And that will help produce eggs. People on the other side will argue that's that's stressing them. You're, you're forcing them to do something that they don't naturally do, which is lay eggs 24-7, 365. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's true, but it's also, you know, beneficial for their bodies to have light. They, they, they need light. And there's, uh, here in the Northern hemisphere, we're not in the extreme North of the Northern hemisphere, but we're in the northernmost part of what you would refer to as the temperate regions. And it's, you know, five to seven hours of good sunlight a day isn't enough for a duck. It just isn't. So we're waiting until they're fully mature, which is about early January. And then we're going to make the decision after that, whether we're going to put light in there with them or not. If we're going to give them light with a timer and it's going to turn on and turn off <coughs> for them to have, you know, at least 10 hours of light. I'm not going to give them 12, 15 hours. I don't think, because again, it's not for me. I don't really care if they're producing eggs. That's not what I care about. What I care about is that they have a good, healthy, happy life. Um, we have 30 of them now. We, we got rid of a bunch of drakes. And on the same day, we had an emergency call from a neighbor 
who had a bunch of uh, hens that needed to be rehomed and they were brought to us. So we have 30 ducks and geese now, four geese, uh, 26 ducks. Most of them are East Indies. 11 of our ducks are East Indies, <coughs> which are these tiny little cute bantam ducks that don't lay a lot of eggs and they aren't a big enough duck to be considered a meat duck. They're a bantam duck. They're what some people refer to as an ornamental duck. They are not meant to produce a lot of eggs. They're not meant to produce a lot of meat. They're meant to produce a lot of pleasure from looking at them because they're pretty birds. They're black and green. They're, they're like mi miniature Cayuga ducks. In fact, I think their closest relative is the Cayuga duck and the East Indie name. Don't buy into that too much. A lot of the, the names that you hear for duck breeds, uh, was because the, back in the thirties or forties, when they were developing them, they were trying to make them sound exotic and that, ex or actually in the late 1800s, I think it was, they were trying to make these ducks sound exotic so that you would want them because they're exotic, but most of them were developed in like New York state. So that's as exotic as many of these ducks get. <clears throat> but we like them. They're, they're cute. They're small. They don't make a lot of mess compared to the other ducks and they, they have cute little voices and they don't eat as much food as the other ducks. So it sounds like we have a lot of ducks in our, in our pen being 30 waterfowl. But when you realize that a third of them are like literally a third of the size of the other ducks, we only have like 25 ducks and geese in total. We're close to like 22 when you look at how much food they're eating and how much noise they make and how much space they take, they're very small birds. And then we have our Muscovy ducks and we have our Eastern, uh, our sorry, Indian runner slash khaki Campbell mixes. And then we also have some silver apple yards because we had to be fancy and get some rare breed ducks. And I love them. I absolutely love them. I go out every day and feed them, go out every day and check out them out and just chill. Even on the cold, wetter, muckier days, I hang out in there for at least half an hour a day, if not more, because I, I enjoy their company and they do their thing. We give them food. We give them as much enrichment as we can. Back in November, we brought in over 16 bags of leaf litter from town, from people who were throwing out their leaves. And we wanted the leaves because A, it's going to increase the soil content, the soil quality that we have in our garden. <clears throat> as those leaves break down, they make good, you know, natural organic matter, but also they're going to cover up the smell of all the duck poop that has been accumulating over the last six months of having ducks and geese in that coop area, which is fine. That's, that's part of it. The, the duck fecal matter, the, the duck poop is part of what system we're developing. And of course we had them on top of straw and wood chip and everything. So that's absorbing a lot of that. So it's not just going into the water table and poisoning our water and making it part of the organic matter and composting it in many aspects. But on the real wet, hot, muggy days, you can still smell a little bit of duck poop. So being able to throw out a bunch of new fresh carbon on top in this form of leaf litter really helps that. It really helps that a lot. And then the next level is you should have seen how much fun those ducks were having exploring these piles of leaves scattered all over their pen, just burrowing through it, laying on top of it. Often we were finding them just like laying in it and enjoying the warmth of comfort underneath their feet and their bodies. Um, they loved just laying in these leaves and it's already half. It's already turned into mud from them stomping all over it and splashing water on it. And of course all the snow melt and the rain and the ducks burrowing through it and, and dabbling their beaks, their bills through that. It's, it's incredible how much enjoyment those ducks can have 
with something so simple as just piles of leaves thrown into their pen. But they were also going for bugs. They were getting earthworms out of that. They were getting some caterpillars out of that. They were getting some other little arthropods and insects and larvae and Lord knows what kind of things. <clears throat> so they were enjoying their lives. They were, they were living their best life doing that. And it was really fun to be able to give them that and sit back and just watch them play with that. It was absolutely entertaining. Absolutely entertaining. On the subject of those ducks and everything else, like I didn't get out for, I got, I was able to bag one Canada goose during the whole season. And I think one hen teal. I think that's what I was able to get out of the whole hunting season. I didn't hunt anything. I, I did not catch anything else, but now we're getting into, you know, the heart of trapping season. And usually I'm trapping from like the beginning of deer hunting season till May. That's, that's my season for trapping. Usually I trap <coughs> mostly for, uh, mink, ermine and other weasels like fisher and such that are in my region. But I also trap for beaver and muskrat and the occasional otter if they catch in those traps as well. And that's about it. I don't trap for the canines. Um, I, I've got nothing against it. I've just got no interest in doing it. Um, foxes and coyotes and wolves are just not what I really want to be trapping. I want to be trapping the, the weasels. They, they are my little challenge, especially Fisher. And I think I've had that conversation on the podcast before. I really enjoy trapping Fisher, but <clears throat> I've just had no time. I've had no time. And now I'm getting kind of nervous. I'm like, oh man, I haven't had, I haven't caught beaver in a year. The, the last time I actively caught beaver was December of 2020. And now it's December of 2021. I haven't caught a beaver. Cause I haven't had time and now the, I haven't even had time to go out and properly scout. So now I'm going to have to wait until the ice firms up on the marshes before I can walk out there and really scout and look around earlier in the season. I could have got out there in my waders or in a little canoe <clears throat> and I could have gone around looking and seeing where the fresh dens were, where all the fresh sign was and getting everything set up for trapping in those areas. I didn't have the time this year. Like we're just, I'm running out of time all season long. So in a week or so, I'm going to be getting ready for trapping. I'm going to go out. I'm hoping for deeper snow. We've had this really weird warm spell right at the end of November into December. It's just this weird, like minus two Celsius, minus five Celsius, minus six Celsius, 12 degrees above freezing Celsius. What? 14 degrees above zero Celsius. Huh? What are, what are these things? Stay cold. Oh, but climate change ain't real. Don't, don't, don't let them trick you into believing that climate change is real, folks. Don't, don't let them do that. Because then you might do something about it. Anyways. Her working our butts off trying to catch up and that's part of this whole game uh and what this episode's about is catching up <clears throat> i want to let you all know that we're we're coming back with a lot more content uh rye and i were just brainstorming last night and today um we're going to be recording some episodes in the next couple of days uh, from this recording not from when you hear the episode um but we've got fresh episode ideas coming out we're hoping to have one i believe that we're planning about hot tent camping and then one, a lot of these are going to be like breakdowns of winter camping techniques. So like hot tents, sleds and polks and toboggans, 
all that kind of stuff, talking about different kinds of gear for winter camping, but also into techniques for winter camping. We've, we've dabbled on inter on winter camping in the past, inter camping, what the heck winter camping in the past, um, talking about different things, but we're going to be diving into a little bit more nitty gritty details for the upcoming episodes. So we're excited about that. I've got a few special guests planned out. I don't want to make any announcements and make any promises to anybody, but we've got a few cool people that I've got planned out and lined up that are going to help us understand the outdoors from different perspectives. And Ryan and I are planning out some case study episodes for the upcoming season for the 2022 year. Uh, on that note, there's this kind of wrap for podcasters thing that came out when I came on here today, it was really kind of nifty. And I want to talk about that for a second. We, so for those that aren't aware, we use anchor.fm as our podcast recording and uh, distributor. That's, that's how we put out the podcast. So if you're looking into doing a podcast for yourself, man, this is, I'm not getting paid to say this anchor.fm has been really easy. There's been a couple of learning curves for me as a guy that's practically a caveman, but if I can do it, you can do it. It's been really, really fun to use. <clears throat> but today they put out this kind of analytic thing to celebrate the end of the year for us as a podcast. So it's, it's kind of cool. It's like a wrap up, kind of like what everybody else is doing on Instagram and TikTok and God knows what else the there's, I'm just going to, I want to read through it with you tonight. So first things first, you had a lot of firsts this year, talking to me, of course, or to us as the podcast. And the next one says, on January 3rd, you released your first episode of the year of 2021, Wonderful Winter Birds, episode 45. That's got to feel good. Yeah, it does. That was that was one of my favorite episodes to do this past year. It was a really cool one to do. And uh, yeah, it was. it's cool that it was our first one. So that's nice. Second part. These are slow slides. Your show made some new friends in new places. You got your first streams in nine new countries, which this is the one that, that shocked me. This is the one that surprised me. These places loved you the most. Romania, Chile, Costa Rica, Latvia, and Malaysia. So to all of you Romanians, Chileans, Costa Ricans, Latvians, and Malaysians who are paying attention to this podcast and tuning in. Hi, I did not know that you were paying attention to us. I could see very little of the analytics over the year. This is a really pleasant surprise. Thank you for tuning in. This is really cool. <clears throat> Even though it was still hard to travel this year, your top episode transcended borders. Our top episode of the year was to light a fire. Episode 51 of the podcast <clears throat> released February 7th of 2021. And looking at the actual number of plays, that's 1,900 plus plays, just under 2,000, which is good. Like, that's really good. Our first episode of ever, I think, our very first episode, uh, episode one, I think it was like The Beginner's Guide to Buying Gear. That's at 3,800, but that's a two-year-old podcast episode. And then, like, everything else, like The Knife Talk, episode three was 3,300. The Survival TV episode was 2,200. 2300 asks me a question because uh, I, I do enjoy puns occasionally. But yeah, that was really cool to hear that, that we were, you know, our, our number one episode was to light a fire. And I was, that's cool. That was an episode that I really enjoyed doing. And if that's the kind of episodes you want to be hearing, folks, if that's what you want to be hearing, 
let us know on social media. Let us know what you're looking for in the podcast because we want to share that with you. We we have a lot of ideas of what we want to do. We have a lot of plans for what we want to do. But this is as much your podcast as, as it is ours. Like, yeah, it's me shooting the breeze with Ryan or a guest or just on my own. And sometimes it just feels like me ranting in a in a bunker on my own. But you're the listener. It's your content too. Let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what you want us to talk about. And if it's something that we can talk about, we'll talk about it. If it's something that we can't talk about ourselves because of our own experiences, we'll find the people to interview about those subjects. So that's awesome. Really cool. If you're looking, if you don't have social media like Instagram or Facebook, which is really the only social media that our that our that Canadian Bushcraft has, Canadian Bushcraft Podcast at gmail.com. Canadian Bushcraft Podcast at gmail.com. Email us. Tell us what you want to hear. Tell us what you want to see. In his first week, listening peaked in the United States on Wednesday. For they're, they're talking about episode 51, the light of fire episode. Fans listen to it the most in the morning. Good morning. These are cute little flavor texts they're adding. Next up was Canada on Thursday. That makes sense. Ultimately, it was played in 20 countries. That's insane. Like, that honestly is crazy that we have people listening in 20 different countries to our podcast. The fact that there's people playing this podcast in my own neighborhood boggles my mind. It absolutely boggles my mind. You had some impressive growth this year. We can't wait for what you do next. So over 447% growth in hours. So we recorded more hours in 2021 than we did in 2020. That makes kind of sense because we didn't start until April of 2020. Uh, 358% in streams. So we've sent the podcast episodes out much more. It's been distributed to a lot more platforms than just Spotify and Anchor. It's it's at Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Podbean, all these different places. You, you If you're listening to the podcast, you probably already know where you can find it. <clears throat> but there's a lot more than we did the first year. 232% increase in followers, which that's insane you it is insane that all this is happening to people wanting to listen to me and my friends talk about weird things that we do in the woods it's just weird it's crazy and 192 percent increase for listeners i'm not sure the difference between followers and listeners i guess followers are people that actually like subscribe to the podcast on these platforms like on spotify i guess you can subscribe to a podcast but yeah that's crazy it's wild in 2021 you and your fans had a moment many of them actually okay what does that mean 308 fans listen to you more than any other podcast what 308 people listen to my podcast listen to me more than any other podcast listen to us more than any other podcast why <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I know that it, like, sometimes you're probably thinking like I'm being this faux humil, uh, faux humility, like fake humility of like, Oh, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. No, I don't understand it. I do this podcast a, because it gives me a place to share knowledge. And that's, that's why I do it. I, I, it's, I want people to know this stuff. 
And I figure like one or two people might make use of that. And if one or two people are making use of this podcast to help them get better at bushcraft and bush skills, then damn it, that's that's the success. But 308 fans listened to us more than any other podcast. That that honestly doesn't compute in my head. That doesn't make any sense to me. Especially after a month hiatus. <laughs> and then a month hiatus before that episode. Sorry, guys. Uh, 27 fans spent their birthdays listening to you. Why would you do that? I don't even celebrate my own birthday. Why would you listen to me on your birthday? That, okay. Like, happy birthday to you folks. And then it says, hope you like cake. I don't like cake. I prefer pie. Sorry. 31's fans rang in the new year with us. Really? 31 of you played us on the new year. Huh, that's cool. 36 fans listen to you on International Podcast Day. There's an International Podcast Day? I mean, that makes sense. There's a day for everything now. That that makes absolute sense. I, I was surprised until I thought about it. International Podcast Day. I'll have to remember what day that is next year. <coughs> and then we'll put out two podcasts that day. 57 pa- fans listen to most of your episodes. i'm I'm sorry so this is the one part of the analytic that i actually can see is when y'all hang up on the episode and it's like five minutes into the episode (laughs) it's like for real like it's one of the funniest things that i get to see is like we have episodes that have like 3800 plays 2,000 plays, 5,000, like not, not 5,000 plays, 1,000 plays, 500 plays, whatever it may be. And then I just, I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. I click on it and it's like quantity versus quality. Yes, we've had 1,000 plays on that episode, but only five people listen to the whole episode. <laughs> so clearly the episodes are too long. The podcast is too long. The podcast is too damn high <coughs> or too damn long. I was trying to quote that meme, but it didn't work out too well. 57 fans listen to the to most of your episodes interesting i guess that's also like they're talking about actually they're talking about like you've repeatedly gone back to listen to episodes and you've you found like episode one two three and you played them through you didn't just like listen to one episode and you're done that's that's cool but like what i was talking about a second ago like that that analytic thing is legit It, it i can see when you hang up when you turn me off i know when that happens and I'm not changing anything. I'm still doing like hour long, two hour long, three hour long episodes. I'm going to do it anyways. I don't care if that's not what you're into. That's what I'm going to do because I'm here to rant at a microphone until I can't rant anymore. <coughs> I got to take a cough drop. I've had this cough for like a day now. It won't go away. We're not sure what they play in outer space, but here's how your fans around the globe listen to you. It's a weird comment to make. of your fans listen to you between 11 a.m. and 5 p.m., making it the most popular time. So I guess I should stop putting out the podcast at 5 in the morning. Like, we actually, so, a little bit behind the scenes thing. I I follow, like, I try to figure out algorithms for our social media. It's, I'm not huge on it. It's not something that I'm, like, spending a lot of time doing, but I will Google like, Hey, when are people looking at Instagram the most? Or when are people paying attention to Facebook the most? What phrases are important to include? Cause we're doing content and we want to make sure people are tuning into the content or else what's the point of making the content. That's it. 
It has nothing to do with trying to drive revenue or anything like that. It's just simply, if I'm doing a live show for the Indigenous Student Services at Fleming College page, which we do every Friday, it's called Firekeepers Firekeeping Fridays, or for the Friendship Center uh, here in town, we do online learning sessions of bushcraft sessions. We just finished our last one of the season. We'll be doing them in January, starting back up new ones in the, in, in the new year. I want to know when I should be putting that content out, telling people that's going live, telling people that's happening, putting out promotional stuff. Because then if I don't, we'll get like one person tuning in out of a three hour session. And then what was the point of doing that three hours of work? It, it has nothing to do with revenue. It has nothing to do with trying to be, you know, better at the game. It's simply, I want to make sure it's worth my time. So the fact that most social media, they recommend you drop the content around 5 to 6 a.m., depending on what kind of social media platform you're on, TikTok, who knows, Instagram, it's usually recommended on like a Sunday at 5 in the morning or like a Friday at 2 p.m. or Wednesday at noon, like those kinds of times. <clears throat> what I'm seeing here is most of you tune in between 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. So I'm guessing at lunch or while you're doing work in the office or when you're at home. So that makes sense. So I think we're going to start dropping the episodes a little later in the day, which makes sense. Sorry to those who drive to work and commute to work early in the morning. You know what? No, we're going to keep it at 5 a.m. just because it makes sense for those folks. And because I can time it to any time I want. We record the episode and then we schedule the episode. When I record this is not the exact moment we put out the podcast. We schedule them. Well, often just another little behind the scenes thing, behind the scenes thing is we will record like four, sometimes five episodes in a day or in an evening. Yeah. You're complaining about listening to a three hour podcast. We're recording four of those in a row. We're spending 12 hours recording podcast because we don't know when we're going to be able to get together again. So we just record, record, record until we're just exhausted. And you can probably tell if you're paying attention to the podcast and you're listening to them in sequence, because that's how we usually put them out. You'll notice like the first episode were real straightforward, real concise, real straight to the point. Not goofing around too much. A couple little sarcastic quips here and there. Second episode, a little bit more relaxed. A little bit more, you know, chill. We're kind of in our groove now. We'll kind of stretch out the conversation here and there. Go into different directions than we usually do. Third episode. We're sounding kind of feral. We're like kind of aggressive. We're like leaning into the mic. We're like shouting stuff once in a while at each other. Or flip it. We're just giggling a lot. If you're hearing an episode where we're laughing a lot, that's probably the third episode we recorded that day. Chances are. <laughs> that's, that's as truthful as I can get about the podcast. Like Usually if you hear Ryan and I just giggling or laughing a lot or just like crying, laughing, or like one of our guests is with us and we're just laughing a lot. That's because that's like the third episode that was recorded in a row, in sequence. That's like the sixth to ninth hour of podcasting. And then by the 12th episode, or sorry, the, the 12th hour, 
ninth to twelfth hour, the fourth episode, we're just talking very, very slowly, slurring our words, taking our breaks, <laughs> laughing once in a while like that. Sound kind of like Jim Brewer. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's that's the easiest way. If you want to, if you kind of want to play the, egg, the Easter egg of this podcast, you want to play an Easter egg game with this podcast. Like a lot of people love the Easter eggs and movies and stuff. You can tell when some, which episode has been recorded when, like, is it the first episode that we recorded that day? The third episode, the fifth episode, by just how deranged we sound. It's, it's never because we're on anything. We're usually just drinking a coffee or having water. Ryan might have a beer or two. But it's not like we're on anything. We're just exhausted. Because <laughs> we're packing in as much as we can. <clears throat> so anyways, let's get back into this. I We released 3,851 minutes of content across 39 episodes. Really? <laughs> it says below this. I love these little flavor texts. Please remember to drink water. I have water right here. I'll drink some water right now. Then. I just love these little things. This is this is stuff that I don't usually care about. But now that I'm kind of relaxed, I'm in my groove of getting back into the podcast and we're trying to focus on <clears throat> all that chaos in the past and letting it go now of just the last like three months to six months of my life of just being chaos. Um, I kind of enjoy just sitting back and looking at these things now. I'm kind of nostalgic or something. I don't know. Oh, our last slide. Thank you for sharing your 2021 with us. Same time next year. Oh, isn't that quaint? That's cute. Is there anything else? Share this moment with your fans and say hello. Well, I just shared it with my fans. I don't have to share it anywhere else. I'm going to close that. We don't need that anymore. So yeah, we're, what I'm trying to get at is like, this is not our last episode of 2021. I want to make that very clear. We got like at least two episodes slated for the holidays. Neither of them are holiday specific. Again, they're winter camping episodes. Um, but we got a lot of episodes lined up for the new year. And we do this because we love it. Uh, we do this because we love you guys, you folks. And we hear the appreciation. We're hearing it from our people on Patreon. We're hearing it from our people our members of, Dra of the Dragonfly Nation all over the place, jumping in on Facebook, on Instagram, in our social media feeds. We got Trust in Timber, one of my favorite YouTube channels, contacted us back in September it was, or August, I think, being like, I just came across your podcast. This is great. I love it. Thank you. Like, thank you from the bottom of my heart to everybody, whether you're who I consider a celebrity in the bushcraft community or Someone that just got into bushcraft and it's the first time you're paying attention to this podcast. Thank you. This is like, again, like this is not fake humility. I don't understand what you, what made you think this would be a good idea to pay attention to. I don't know what made me think it'd be a good idea to record it, but thank you. Like it really does warm my heart to hear feedback from you folks. I've never been a feedback guy. I've never, that sounds terrible. I never gave a shit about someone's opinion. No, I do. I always have cared. I've always cared about like what's important, but like 
I've never sought it out. I've never went out seeking it. I've never been like trying to get feedback from everybody, putting out, you know, a bunch of feedback forms to everybody. Like, hey, please fill that out. Please make sure to fill that out after you spend your X amount of hours with me. That's never been something like if somebody walks up to me and was like, this class sucked, that's important to me. That's important to hear. Or if somebody walked up and said, I loved this class for these reasons, I love hearing that. The amount of people that have reached out about the podcast over the last two years, it honestly, sincerely warms my heart. Sincerely justifies this podcast to me every time. I I don't do this for fame because <laughs> this is not how you get fame. Just to clarify, uh, being a cis white looking man to all the other cis white looking men, podcasting will not make you famous. I am not Joe Rogan. Thank God. <clears throat> I'm not Steven Ronella. Thank God. I'm not, just kidding, Steve. I'm not sure why I'm saying just kidding. I don't think he listens to this podcast at all. Um, I, I don't think I'm any of those people. You aren't either. And that's okay. I do this podcast because it's a way for me to connect with people at a time that we have not had a good time connecting with people because of the situation we're all in. And I think that's important. Um, this is a chance for me to use this as a sounding board in a sense. And sometimes I just use you, use you, not you, but the podcast as a void to scream into. Um, it's something that I truly love, but I only do it because I'm trying to keep my company, Canadian Bushcraft, relevant in a world where we can't have a bunch of people come into classes. That's just the reality of it. That's why we started the podcast. And <clears throat> getting to connect with people in a different platform, in a different way, is really beautiful to me. I'm always open to exploration. I'm always open to traveling in a different direction and seeing things. So I started off with Canadian Bushcraft as a small, tiny little outdoor school, survival school here in central Ontario. And then I started making some YouTube videos. And then my partner who was working on the business with me at the time, uh, Lucas Wagner, <coughs> started learning more about videography. And we started putting a lot more better quality YouTube videos. And that started to grow really fast and it was really good. And like we stopped around 2018 in total. We haven't put out really any videos on YouTube since 2018 because of time. I was working as a professor at a college. I was <clears throat> taking care of a kid. I was running my business and trying to just work and make as much money as we could to cover the bills. Cause I decided in 2018, uh, sorry, in 2015 to create, to take Canadian bushcraft to the next level and be like, this is now my full-time job. I'm not taking on new jobs. 2018, I took on a new job, uh, 2017, sorry. I took on a new job as a college professor by 2018. I had a kid in my life and I had to do all these other things and try to keep the business running. So YouTube was not important anymore. Around 2017, we jumped onto Instagram. We'd had Facebook since like 2008. We had our page and our group 
for Canadian bushcraft before it was called Canadian bushcraft. It used to be called wild arts bushcraft. Yeah, don't get me started. That was a terrible idea. Canadian bushcraft made a lot more sense. The person who named this company was not me. It was Joe Robinette. Yeah, that Joe Robinette, the guy on YouTube. He he was one of my very first students when I started the business. Told him I'm trying to change the name. Sounds kind of ridiculous to be called Wild Arts Bushcraft. And he said, just call it Canadian Bushcraft. All right. And I started up as Canadian Bushcraft. Never looked back. So thanks, Joe. Thank you very much for that business advice. I appreciate that. <clears throat> so what I'm getting at here is I started the podcast with Ryan and, and with everything Namely because I wanted to make sure that we were still relevant during the pandemic. We were still putting out content and putting out stuff that would keep our name out there. So that when the pandemic ended, people would remember, hey, Canadian Bushcraft, they, they're still around. These guys are legit. These guys know what they're talking about. Let's go learn from these folks. And it's worked. It's it's worked flat out. It's worked. People want to take courses with us. They are begging all the time. We have five to six people a day messaging us on Facebook, asking when our courses are starting. They're not, I'm sorry, they're not starting anytime soon, uh, especially with Omicron and everything happening right now. It's not in the cards, not right now. We are planning to start back up in 2022. I want to make that clear. Uh, depending on how the pandemic goes and depending on how the, excuse me, protocols go that we must follow here in Ontario, and in the municipality and region that we're in, <coughs> we're hoping to start back up in 2022. Okay. More likely in the summer of 2022 could be the fall of 2022. I don't know yet. We don't know yet, but we are starting back up in 2022, as long as everything's in the cards, but not yet. And it's been really interesting to sit back and say, okay, this is why we do it to keep us relevant so that people are going to see us. And we're looking at other social media. We're, we're seriously considering starting back up the YouTube channel. We've been trying since June. Um, just haven't had time because of all the stuff that I've had to do over the last six months. We're getting ready for this winter to start filming again. <clears throat> I've got a couple of episodes that I'm ready to film actually in the next couple of days. If I can get the camera out and everything out, uh, else out there and be ready to film. We actually have a few episodes that we want to, a few videos that we want to film in the next couple of days, and then I just got to edit them and get them back up on, on YouTube. The problem is our biggest issue is internet bandwidth. We live in a very rural location, um, which is ironic because I have neighbors within 20 yards of my doorstep. I've got neighbors on 20 yards, both to my left and my right and across the road. We live in a small village, but it is remote enough that our internet is crap. I'm not making this up. I, I wish I was making this up. I uploaded videos for our patrons on Patreon. Uh, we uploaded some YouTube videos that were showing them what we we're up to on the homestead, showing them the ducks, showing them the geese, showing them what we're getting up to in the garden and everything else. And we've been uploading those. And I'm just going to go to our channel real quickly to see how long those videos were. I'm opening this up as we speak. So give me one second. Uh, library. I think that's where you go. And then your videos. Yep. So we have a video that is 
four minutes long called Processing Basswood Bark Fiber. Four minutes and 22 seconds long. That took 27 hours to upload. That's not a joke. That's that's not an exaggeration. That's not me trying to make you be like, wow, we should give him a little bit more credit for what he's doing. No. 27 hours to upload a four, less than a four and a half minute long video. 27 hours. And it nearly crashed twice. That is insane. That is madness. Madness. Absolute madness. Our internet is so bad and so poor quality where we live. It's next to impossible to upload videos. At least not with any consistency. And so with the new homestead, with the new home, with everything going off grid, we're planning to hook up to either um, a special Rogers system that I was just talking to Chris Gilmore about the other day, uh, a really cool system that they're using that's almost like a cell phone booster for your computer, for your computer's Wi-Fi kind of thing, um, or satellite internet, which I've got both good things and bad things told to me. Like, it's faster, but it can fall apart very quickly. Uh, We're also looking, honestly, at Starlink from, you know, Elon Musk and Tesla and everything else. We're looking at Starlink because it's meant for rural areas that have less access to good internet. It's supposed to be some of the fastest internet available. We're looking at it because, hey, we we need it. It's, It's necessary to be doing online content for Canadian bushcraft. Water break number two. And yeah, it's challenging that way to be able to put out video content, but we are filming videos. We are editing videos. We are getting ready to start putting out content. Hopefully, hopefully by mid to late January, that is when we're hoping to start getting videos out. Maybe earlier, maybe later. The goal is January. The goal was June. Now it's January. (laughs) We've been promising YouTube videos since the big, since before the pandemic. We've been promising these for like three years now, and it's just not been happening. And I'm just praying one day the stars align and we can just start making damn YouTube videos again, because it was fun. I enjoyed making them. I even enjoyed editing them. Why not? But yeah, we're, (laughs) we're hoping, we are hoping that we will have the YouTube channel back up and running for videos. We have some shelter videos that we want to put out. We have some fire making videos we want to put out. We've got a lot of actual videos that we want to put out a ton of videos. We, what we want to record. We used to have actually a backlog again, another behind the scenes thing for you back in 2015. Um, we had recorded over two dozen videos, two dozen, two dozen. I also had 26,000 words written for I'm trying not to burp. I'm not trying to build up suspense (laughs) for the Canadian bushcraft handbook. I had a book that I was writing a bushcraft book that everybody keeps saying, when are you going to publish a book? When are you going to publish a book? I had a book written 26,000 words and we had two dozen videos filmed and edited. 
and I put them all on a terabyte drive and didn't back them up. Uh-huh. You can probably see where this is going. It got corrupted somehow. It crashed. We don't have that stuff anymore. I have 5,000 words of the original book on uh, a Google Drive uh, document. And that's it. And I was so upset because I had spent months writing those 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 sections writing them in like the firecraft was literal not literal it was metaphorical fire it was amazing <clears throat> some of my best writing and i am being very very honest there i'm i this is again not a fake hum humbleness that was some of the best writing i've ever written I was so heartbroken when I lost all that, that I haven't had the courage to start writing again, anything, really anything since 2015. I've got like six different books that I've started writing and haven't even finished looking at them. The first chapters, the introductions aren't even done. Um, one day there will be a Canadian bushcraft handbook out there. One day there'll be the rot book that I've been working on, which is another subject, a cookbook that we're working on. These are going to get done one day when I have time. I think this episode should be titled what Caleb will do if he had the time. <laughs> Maybe that's where we should, we should go with this episode. What would I do if I had the time? If I actually had the time, I would go back out West and I would hang out with a bunch of the people that I've been wanting to hang out with for a long ass time now, I would go hang out with Jim Knapp as much as he hates my guts. I would go and hang out with Jim Knapp. <clears throat> I would go north and see my buddy Paul McCartney up in the Yukon. I would go out west and see people like, you know, Rob Brewer, Paul Bruce Zawalski, uh, Zawalski. Sorry, Bruce, my mouth is slipping everywhere. Siobhan, my my good friend Siobhan. I would go and see her. All these people that I know out in Alberta, Saskatchewan, British Columbia, the Yukon, Northwest Territories, I would go and see them. All my friends in the States, if I had the time, I would go see them. Everyone I adore down south of the border. I would go to so many places if I had the time and the money. That's the, that's the second part of that equation. But if I just had the time, man, I would have so many hides getting tanned. I would have so many blacksmithing projects i would have so many just fun projects to do if i had the time i would spend more time with my parents i would spend a lot more time with my father if i had time my mother as well like totally my mother as well but i see my mom and i talk to my mom more than i do get a chance to talk to my father or see my father because he's at home and my mom, she goes out, she has social media. So I communicate with my mother more often. She calls. Uh, so I talk to her, my dad, I have to seek him out. If I want to talk to him, I would spend more time with my family in general, my cousins, my siblings. I would have, I would spend so much time with my nephews and nieces, my nibblings. Is that the term that we use now? I think that's the term nibbling. The, the non-gender specific version of niece and nephew, niece or nephew. I would spend time with them so much. I love every single one of my nephews and nieces. I have so many nephews and nieces and I love every single one of them. And I barely get to see them. I would spend time with all these amazing 
knowledge holders. Andre Francois Barbeau, George Hedgepeth, you know, like <laughs> just so many people that I would go and just spend time with. If I could have infinite time in this, like, if there was this ability to, like, this is going to sound weird and it's going to sound like I'm getting into weird, like, multiverse stuff, but, like, if there was an ability to stretch out uh, in a time frame of, let's say, 10 years, and in that time frame of 10 years, of, like, from 2022 to 2032, I could actually have, like, 50 years. I'm not going to ask for 100 years. I feel that's, that's greedy. But I could have like 50 years in a time bubble where I go and see all these people in that 10 year time and do all these things in that 10 year time that is actually 50 years of time. And then when that 10 years is done, I can just go back to living my regular life. I, I would, I would pay for that. A lot of people are are like, I would be, I want, uh, I would pay, or I would like sell my soul to be rich. I would sell my soul to be famous. I would sell my soul to look younger or look or feel stronger, look sexier, whatever those, I don't care about any of that stuff. I want more time, right? I want 28 hours in the 24 hour period. I want 12 days in a week. I want so much more time because I know I'm running out of it. We're all running out of it. There, there's a time, a specific time and day and place where you will no longer be able to do these things. And I know that's coming. That I won't be able to walk the same distance I used to walk. That I won't be able to swing an axe, the speed and power that I used to swing them. That I won't be able to have the hand-eye coordination to carve like I used to. That I'll have a fraction of the vision that I have now in my eyes the fraction of the hearing that I have in my ears, that my pelvis and hips will eventually degrade, that my back will get worse. And that's saying a lot because my back is messed up. I know I'm running out and I know that time is coming closer and closer and closer. I might have 10 years. I might have 20 years. I might have 40 years. I might only have two years. I don't know. None of us know when that day happens, but it will happen for all of us. And so like for me, that's what I am constantly striving for to get as much time as I can. I've lost six months of my time work, not lost. I've, I've had to postpone six months of my regular life. to get ready for a new chapter in my life. And that's not something any of us are used to doing. That's not something any of us really enjoy doing is hanging things up on the shelf, putting things on the back burner to focus on something that is going to change their lives permanently. And they don't know how, for how long or how, how long is it going to take or anything like that? We don't know. This was all supposed to be done by October. I want to make that very clear. Most of this stuff that I've been getting done for the house for the new home was supposed to be done in October. It's now mid-December. I'm just now having time. <laughs> and that's what I'm getting at here. It's like, I am always, 
terrified of losing time. I, I'm, I'm always terrified of losing time. I want to get as much as I can accomplished in as small a time as possible. I want to spend time with my kid. I want to spend time with my nephews and nieces. I want to spend time with elders. I want to spend time with knowledge holders. I want to spend time with friends and family and people that I just think are interesting. And I want to spend time with knowledge holders from around the world. I want to spend time doing things that I love and cherish and really, really want to learn. I want to learn. <laughs> I'm trying to think of things that I still want to learn. I want to learn how to be a better craftsman. And that requires a lot of time. Whether that's birch bark canoe work, I really need more work on birch bark canoes. I'm going to say that flat out. As much as it, it pains me, I know that from the bottom of my heart. I need to spend time with like Tom Byers, Kevin Finney, Ferdy Good, Chuck Commanda, Pinnock. I need to spend time with more of these guys and just spend the time with them and get better at canoe building and get better canoe material harvesting. I need time to go out and harvest materials. That's the biggest problem that I have right now is I have time to do very little material harvests. The bark I can go and get is poor quality. The wood I can find is not always the best for, for gunnels and ribs and everything. I need more time for those things. I need more time with knowledge holders that can perfect my skills. I need to spend time with more blacksmiths. I need to spend time with quill workers. I need to spend time with caribou hair tufters. I need to spend time with applique, uh, applique sewers and learn a lot more of our traditional crafts because that's what I need to learn. That's what I need to get better at. I understand the basics of quill work. I understand the basics of applique and I understand the basics of caribou hair tufting. It's the art of it, not the basics of it that I need to learn. I need to learn the art of it. I need to get better at it. I need to get into the nitty gritty details and understand it. Like I understand firecraft, like I understand shelter craft, like I understand a lot of different bush skills. I need to get my carving game up. I need to get my sharpening game up. I'm very good at sharpening knives. I want to get better. And that takes time. I want to get better at growing crops. I want to get better at hunting. I want to get better at shooting. I want to get better at all these things. And that takes time. <sighs> We're running out of time for this episode as well, because it is well after midnight and I am so tired and I got to get up and do a lot of work tomorrow. We're harvesting. Oh, that's something else I want to talk about is what we're getting up to outside of what we've been usually doing. So uh, a week ago, we started up our forge again. We got our forge. The unhinged forge is running once more. We have a new gas propane forge. We've been running charcoal for years. We had a gas forge here and there that were made of like plaster of Paris mixed with sand and to the shapes of cans and stuff that we put blow torches into. And those worked, but we wanted to get better. So now we have our anvil. We have our post leg vice or leg vice or post vice when we have a gas forge and we've got cutting tools and we're, I'm going to be forming some punches in the next couple of days out of three eighths of an inch steel, uh, tool steel. I'm potentially getting some bigger stock of steel so that I can make bigger punches and bigger drifts and all that kind of stuff, because that's what I want to get focused on over the winter time. We want to make a bunch of blades. We want to make a bunch of crooked knife blades. I want to make I want to make a couple of hammers for the forge that I can call my own. Um, all the hammers that I've used so far were store-bought or ordered online or 
made by other blacksmiths for me. I know how to make hammers. I just have never had the material and the tools to do that. I know how to, I've practiced on them. I've made hammers in the past, but not for me. So I want to make some hammers. I want to make some chisels. I want to make crooked knife blades. I want to make, you know what? I want to make some more axes. I want to get back into coppersmithing. So that's what we're going to be doing over the next couple of months. We're going to be doing a little bit of that. I'm hoping to interview a couple of blacksmiths for the show. Uh, I've got a couple already lined up. No promises on when that episode's going to happen. Cause every time I tell you it's going to happen soon, it doesn't happen at all. So I'm not going to tell you when that episode is going to happen, but I'm hoping it's going to happen very soon. At least the recording of it. We also, uh, in that process, what am I talking about? I'm trying to think of everything we've been getting up to. Uh, we're going out to harvest hemlock bark to make more wood stand. So we can start making some really pretty things. So that'll be happening tomorrow. And we are going to be in the new year at some point. I don't know when exactly, but I'll be on the hunt to eat podcast, which is coming out very soon, uh, with my good friend, Paul McCarney, uh, and a few other people from the hunt to eat brand. Uh, we're going to be jumping on there talking about some stuff very soon. I'm not sure when the episodes are airing. I haven't heard about that, but we'll be coming out with that stuff. And I've got a bunch of other projects that we're working on. We just got to get them going. So this episode is all about time and time management and needing more time and missing the time that we got. Um, but yeah, I think that's really all I want to get off my chest tonight. Look forward to more content on a more regular basis now that we actually have time. So thank you again. Take care of yourselves. Wash your damn hands.